broadcasting from the Blanchestan Centre. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Sparta! All your base are belong to us. The balls are inert. And now it begins. Okay, everybody, welcome to Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. You're joining us on Saturday at 5 p.m. My name is Daryl Connor, and I'm joined by. Introduce yourself, sir. Hi, I'm Keanu Calicon. Uh, I run a company called Underdog Theatre Productions. I work in theatre, and this is my second time on the show. Yeah, so I, I figured after last week I wanted to give you a, a better introduction. So welcome to the show, man. It's, it's great again. Um, really enjoyed the show last week. Obviously, uh, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with the show. So uh, thanks so much for picking it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, look forward to seeing all the stuff we have lined up. Um, so there's a lot. Cause, you know. No worries. Thrilled to be back. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like the this week was a slow week compared to um, E3 and stuff, but still, you know, fast and quick. Uh, the, the news kind of came out. So our news coverage is going to be the second part of the show because I have a lot to talk about at the, at the, at the, the opening here. So like the first thing, I, I've, I'm, on, I'm away for work at the moment, for anyone who doesn't know, and I have nothing else really to do when I finish work except for watch Netflix. So I finally got around mm-hmm. to watching Sabrina uh, season two, and that's the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Um, we talked before we went on Arcane that you haven't got a chance to see any of this yet, so your familiarity is probably like a no, lot. No, I... Uh... Oh, you go on. No, sorry. Go for it. No, I was like a lot of people. I grew up with Sabrina on the Nickelodeon channel, you know, with the talking cat and uh, kind of all that sort of light, fun ventures, Harvey Kinkle, all that kind of stuff. I'd love, I've heard that this Netflix version is a huge departure from that. Am I correct? Yeah, well, see, I how I came across this initially was, I remember a few years ago, you know, on on comic sites, it was all the news that Sabrina bought, um, married Cthulhu, right? And uh, <laughs> I was like, "What? That sounds crazy!" And then it turns out that Archie Comics they they went uh, and did a hard left a couple of years ago, and um, they set up a really really dark part of that um, universe. Because if anyone doesn't know, Sabrina is a comic book character for Archie Comics, you know, like the famous Archie Comics and Riverdale and all that kind of stuff. And Riverdale and Sabrina are all part of the same um, TV, Netflix universe kind of thing, right? But in the comics, obviously that was done first. And a couple of years ago, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, or sorry, The the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina came out in um, in comic book form, I think it was 2014. And I remember I was up in Big Bang, and the guys were like, "Hey, you need to read this." So I was like, "Right." Uh, I picked it up a couple of years after that. Really got into it. Really, really enjoyed. It. Couldn't believe how dark it was. And then when I saw the TV show, the Netflix show, um, it's darker again. Like it's it's a couple of my friends. A lot of my friends like it, but one of my friends, uh, I was talking to her today about. It. I'm like, "Hey, you need to watch the." 
the second season because I can't. The, the first season, you know, f- had a, a series of nightmares, and it freaked me out too much. I had to stop. Now, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't. Uh, you know, this might lose some street cred here, but I actually had nightmares last night, uh, legit from the second season, and it wasn't even anything scary. It's just so eerie and disturbing um, that it does kind of mess with you a bit. And yeah, I woke up at three in the morning. And I was just like, "What? What's going on? This is terrifying." So yeah, uh, don't watch Sabrina. Wow. So is this, is this like a horror show then, or is it something a bit more like supernatural? Like, what's the kind of tone of the show then for someone who might want to check it out? Well, they're Satanists. Like, holy, uno, holy. unabashed like Satanists. You know, like the devil is a character in it, and they worship the devil, and there's like pentagrams everywhere, and you know. A desecrated church is literally a set piece, you know. So it's 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 very <laughs> very very full on. It's demons and stuff, but the tone of it, it's kind of light and playful as well. Um, so it kind of feels like you're watching Buffy sometimes, but like with good production and modern special effects. But then it has this really weird undertone to it as well, where it's just like, oh, something just is not right here, you know. It's just off a bit. So it's very, it's an uncomfortable tone, but like a comfortably harsh tone is, is what I would describe it as. So if you have any interest in any kind of supernatural shows or anything like that, you'll love it. And even if you're not, if you're a fan of the Sabrina show from the 90s, what they've started to do now in the second season, they've actually started to make little references to it, which is, I think is super fun. Uh, oh. apparently, yeah, apparently in the first season, they were supposed to be in the Nightmare series, in the Nightmare episode, spoilers from season one, it's all like alternative universe kind of stuff. It's like, what happened if, right? And apparently one of them was supposed to be, they were supposed to be in the kitchen from the sitcom. But it didn't right. happen. And that would have been super fun. I think they were kind of afraid to do that in the first season. But now the, now they've been renewed for four seasons. So the second season, there is a bit where she's changing her clothes. But it's done the same way that Sabrina did, where she like would twirl around and she just changed her outfits. And I'm like... There's like a magical sparkle oval thing. Yeah, wasn't there? Well, yeah, but there were, without the sparkle. But they still kind of like are making little references here and there to it. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. But what I would say, you know, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's worth a shot. First season's excellent. Second season's fantastic. Do not watch the Christmas special. That's terrible. Um, it's really bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there's something there for everybody, I would say. And um, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's actually, I didn't think it would affect me as much as it is. Because like, I haven't got nightmares in a while. And last night I actually got very spooked out. So yeah, uh, don't watch it in the dark. But you know, maybe do because it's fun. Uh, and I would, I, I would say there's a lot, a lot of great things to watch on TV at the moment, like Chernobyl. I haven't got a chance to watch yet. I do want to watch it. That's scary for all different reasons. But if you have a Netflix account, definitely watch it. Well, can I ask before we kind of get away from Sabrina? You mentioned nightmares. Without yeah. getting into too much spoilers, what is it about the show that people are finding so terrifying? I will. Terrifying is the wrong word because it's not terrifying. It's just. Very unsettling. And that's actually what my friend says. She goes, I was very unsettled by it. It's just a really, it's because there's bits that are just graphically violent, you know, but not in like a, a saw way. I mean, like, okay, see, I don't want to get into spoilers because it's, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, basically, like, there are bits where in a normal show, 
it would cut away or they wouldn't go for it. But then they go for it and you're like, oh, well, that just happened. But then again, this is the same <laughs> universe where Sabrina marries Cthulhu. So, <laughs> you know, like there's black masses in this. There's outright occult references. There's a massive statue of Baphomet. You're like, you're like you know, it's, there's no, there's no middle ground here, you know? But what I will say, it's like, what's interesting, read the comics. Comics are great. The only problem is they weren't finished, right? So here's where it gets interesting, and here's why you should watch the show, because people are like, hey, I read the comics. I don't need to read the show, or I can just watch the comics and not bother watching the show. Wrong, because what happened was the comics okay. were cancelled when the show was picked up. And the only reason why is because all the writers of the comics went and are writing the show. So the show will wrap up the comics. Oh, yeah, so it's not a game I of thrones. So it's carrying on that story. Yeah, exactly. So when you're reading, when you're reading the comic, when you're reading the comics, it's very like the show. When you're watching the show, it's like the comics for a reason. Also, you know, it's it's I know, and I have to don't want to get too much into it, but you kind of have to give them some credit as well because it's quite a progressive show as far as like it talks about stuff which I've actually never seen being talked about on TV as such in in like not a shove down your face kind of way. Just they're characters, but they happen to be X, Y, and Z. And I think that's a very, very kind of interesting way to do it. It's like the representation of Mortal Kombat where, you know, LGBT characters or characters who are slightly different or such, it's kind of like exposed in a, in a new and unique way. And that's pretty interesting. It's, you know, it doesn't get enough shout because, you know, for all different reasons, but fair play. So there, and that's what I mean. There is something there for everybody. If you're a classic horror fan, you're going to like it. If you're someone who likes shows like that, you're going to like it. If you're someone who likes Riverdale, you're really going to like it because it's actually better than Riverdale. And if you're um, if you're just a TV geek as well, you're going to really enjoy it. And also if you're a fan of Sabrina, like my sister was a big fan of Sabrina as well. Obviously, we all were, right? But uh, she watched it and she loved it. And she isn't a big horror fan anyway. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of um, really good things going about the show. And you know, I'm, I'm glad to see season two hasn't dipped in quality. Um, because the Christmas episode was very poor. Very poor. And would it have the same kind of goofy charm like the old Sabrina had? Like at one point, the cat Salem was running the mafia and like all no. these very strange things. It wouldn't have that kind of goofy sensibility, would it? It does, but in different ways, right? So Salem is just a cat, but you really like Salem because, you know, he's Salem. But they, they replace it with the ant. Like the ant works in a, in a goofy comic book shop. You know, like Aunt, uh, right. Aunt Hilda, you know, and it's it's just really good. Like The characters feel more like fleshed out characters with a really dark edge to it. It, it feels more like, it feels, yeah, Buffy's probably the best way to put it. It feels like Buffy, you know, uh, but okay. more kind of edgy than Buffy. You know, it's like someone who they know their world. The sets are great as well. There's a lovely kind of like, Here's the weird thing, right? You, I don't know what era is set in. It's like Riverdale because Riverdale's kind of like it's supposed to be modern day, but then it has this 1950s aesthetic to it. It's kind of the same thing. It's like re- retro, retro modern times, you know. And that's kind of the same spring. Like you, you can't really say it's set in modern day, but it is, but it's not. So it's very much its own thing. And when you watch it, there's nothing else like it on TV. So. Oh, I love the show. I think it's fantastic. Um, the girl who's in it, actually, the girl who plays Sabrina, there's a very high possibility she's going to play Gwen Stacy soon in Spider-Man. So that's cool. Oh, okay. 
Um, oh, I've, so we've seen a lot of Gwen Stacy in the last few years. You mean the third Spider-Man movie, or like? Uh, well, the third Spider-Man movie was probably going to have a lot of things in it. So you know, Deadpool and stuff like that apparently is going to be in it. But um, yeah, she's now been tapped to play Gwen Stacy. So maybe not in Spider-Man three, but you know, maybe in five or six, or just exist in the same universe because like really, she looks exactly yeah, like. Yeah, her. yeah, yeah. She really does. Like it's actually kind of scary. Um. Yeah, speaking of which as well, man, have you got a chance to see Black Mirror? The new season? Uh, I've only seen the first episode now. I know you mentioned Street Fighters earlier, but I'm enjoying what I've seen so far. Have you seen the whole new series? I, I saw, well, there's only three episodes, so it, was, it wasn't too long of a watch. I was kind of disappointed in that, but I saw the first one. I really liked the first one. Uh, well, mm. kind of, sort of. Like, it was a good idea, but kind of weird ten a little bit as well. Um, the memes are quite good, actually. After it, <laughs> I was speaking the Captain America memes, but um, I liked the third one. Yeah. I didn't like the second one. I kind of I got really the same way with Metalhead. I wasn't a big fan of Metalhead. Um, there's always that one season, one episode in every season that I just kind of skip because it doesn't for me. Um, uh, just to clarify, Metalhead was the one in black and white with the was. robot dog, was it? It was, yeah, correct. I, that one actually kind of grew on me a lot just because of how visceral and uncomplicated it was black mirror episodes are yeah. great but they tend to sort of go down a lot of rabbit holes i just liked how it reminded me of like an 80s film just it was see, just it. a survival thing that's it and I'm, I'm i probably will go back to it and that's the same way i felt with the second one as well it's like the same with um not hate not hate the nation but the other one where they it it it's with the army and they're, they're trained to see people in a certain way, like zombies or whatever. That one. I oh, uh, men under fire. Was that? Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Um, I did the same thing. I, I, there's always that one episode that I skip and kind of come back to because I, I don't feel like it fits in the black mirror kind of universe. Cause it's so, it's so uncomplicated, but I, I enjoy it. It's kind of like watching Bandersnatch. Like I wouldn't watch Bandersnatch in a black mirror run. I'd watch Bandersnatch by itself. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those kind of things where I um, I will go back to it. Love the third one though. I thought the third one was quite cool. It was the best episode of Hannah Montana I've ever seen. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've hit on a good point there. There's a lot of star talent in this season. You've got two yeah. Marvel regulars in uh, Anthony Mackie and uh, Pom. Is it Clementine? Uh, in the first episode, Striking yes. Vipers, you have Andrew Scott, who's Moriarty from Sherlock in the second. And you have, of all people, Miley Cyrus in the third episode. Do you know the name of those latter two episodes off the top of your head? Um, I don't know the second one, but it's what? Something, something, and Ashley. I can't remember the second. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I and just it, called, and I just how called, would you pitch these stories to the listeners? Uh, the second one I haven't seen, so you're going to have to take the run on that. But the third one... Pretty much is literally the darkest episode of Hannah Montana you've ever seen. So it's about this girl who is playing a character, and she's pretty much drugged up and programmed to be this character. And then she decides that she doesn't want to do it anymore. So she's chemically drugged uh, into sorry, she's drugged into a chemical coma, and they extract songs out from her, only for her robot, a uh, her robot toy, which is actually 
a fully sentient AI um, to be hacked, <laughs> becoming a fully sentient AI, and they go on a crazy adventure to unfold the truth, and then it ends with them being a rock band. So <laughs> I can see why some people... got me intrigued. Just to, just to clarify, we the episodes are called Striking Vipers, Smithereens, and the final one is Rachel, Jack, and Ashley too. That's it, yeah. So I would say, look... I've seen a lot of a lot of negativity towards this season. I totally understand why. I totally get why. Um, it, it wasn't the content that kind of threw me this season. It was the it was using big actors, if that makes sense. Like the great thing about Black Mirror is it's kind of it's kind of hard to place anyone because they're all unknowns. You know, I think the best black mirror episodes are always the ones that, um, feel real to a point. Uh, although I do really like, um, the Star Trek one, the USS Collister. That was great. <laughs> that was really, really fun. And even still that had some big name actors in it as well. And I think, there is that balance where because there's money and they have a budget and they're actually able to get these actors in, you know, it's expand the story. It's going to have this negative backlash to it. And look, I thought the first episode was great. Um, it was, it was an interesting story. I've never really seen a story like that before. Um, it told that way, obviously just, you know, it, it's been done a hundred times, but this is uniquely in its own way. It's like a, a pastiche of different things in the past couple of years mismatched into one very unexpected package second one i haven't seen so you know sorry guys uh third one you know as i said like it's when you hear the hand that molly cyrus is in it you're like oh this is gonna suck and then you watch it and you're like actually oh, this is very good it's very good it plays on the sister dynamic um the team of lost but then also you have like loads of easter eggs and there's some good videos on youtube where you can watch these Easter egg rundowns, right? So all of them link into the Black Mirror universe through the little Easter eggs um, throughout. And uh, yeah, so I would say all... Yes, I did notice in the Choose Your Way, Bandersnatch, there was lots and lots of Easter eggs because all the other games in that gaming company yeah. were named after different episodes and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's not like a Marvel thing no. where they're all in the same universe, but if you pay attention, there's tiny little hints and connections and that kind of stuff. For example, right, in the Hannah Montana episode, the actually, that's, what, that's just what I'm going to call it, guys. <laughs> um, but there's loads of, video, <laughs> loads of video clips, right? And if you actually watch the video clips and the news clip footage of it, you can actually see um, loads of references to even even uh, the first episode, not you know, the, the national anthem. So it's just like, wow, yes. you know, it's, it's not over. You know, it still keeps going and going and going. So that's just fantastic. And I think it's, you know. Yeah, I've got to say, I, I really like Black Mirror. I think, I mean, I know that every series, every time a series comes out, people say these two were good, these four weren't. But it never plays it safe. It always takes a chance in some very ludicrous, very dark direction. And you never get the impression that Charlie Brooker or any of his team are just winging it. You always get the sense that they're trying to create the new million merits, which I think is probably my favorite of all. Oh, of them, really? Like the 10 million, the first series. Yeah, it's just I haven't seen an episode of television 
that was that brave to be almost entirely without dialogue. Like I think the closest I can think of to anything that comes close to it is Inside Number Nine, which is also on yes. Netflix by the uh, yes. League of Gentlemen people. I think it's. I honestly think it's a fantastic show, and I'm I always pleasantly surprised on new series. Like, Yo, you watch it too, yeah? Oh, I love it. I actually, you know what? <laughs> I, I actually kind of prefer that to uh, Black Mirror. I think it. I think it takes way more risks. Uh, it's, it's way it's way more messed up as well. Um, but yeah, man, I've never met somebody that actually has watched Inside Number Nine, so that's awesome. Yeah, I've got to say, every time I've met one or two people who've watched Inside Number Nine, and they're always surprised that someone else has heard of it. Yeah. It's not a very popular show. You have, <laughs> and it should be because the only bit is it's really hard to find. Like you actually have to go out of your way to find the rest. Of it. There's like four yeah. or five seasons of it. And it's hard to find those four or five seasons. You get the first two. But my actual favorite episode of Inside Number Nine is where they recreate uh, Macbeth. And it's amazing. And But the Simpsons, yes. kind of, the Simpsons kind of robbed that idea in the same way. But I think they did it first. So uh, that's my favorite episode. Or the one where they tried to steal the art. And it, there's no dialogue. You read my mind. Yeah, that's the one I always... I always show people, for anyone who hasn't watched it at home, it's a bit like The Million Merits. It's uh, an episode done entirely without dialogue about two robbers trying to break into a house and steal a bit of art. And, you know, it's kind of silent movie shenanigans from there. But like Black Mirror, it goes in very dark directions. But we won't say anything more than that. It's definitely, it's on Netflix and it's definitely worth checking out. And it has some really weird bits as well. Like, okay, well, Black Mirror is is what it is. It's also kind of safe in its weirdness. Inside number nine just mm. goes for it. They don't care at all. They're just like, yeah, this is weird. Watch how weird it's going to get. And then it does. And it's fantastic. If you're a Black Mirror fan, watch Inside number nine. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Um, yeah, so there's some big reps. I, I want to kind of get into Chernobyl eventually when I when I watch it because I haven't seen it yet but apparently it's the it's the show to watch Kane have you had a chance to watch it yeah mm-hmm. where can I find it it's on HBO that's the thing so it's like apparently it's better than Game of Thrones that's what I've heard mm. I heard it's, I heard it's the show to watch and so much so that Instagram uh, Instagram models are going to Chernobyl which is a weird sentence to, to say huh Yes, I have seen those articles coming out saying shock Chernobyl is based on real events and there is a certain like it's I say I hear the same thing when people allegedly think Titanic was just a movie it's that slight disconnect from reality I imagine it's exaggerated to some degree but still yeah it's a bit disconcerting isn't it Yeah it's like wow that's kind of it's kind of worrying you know but then again this helmets are made you know so if it wasn't for the fact that we have the internet and stuff like that you know, who knows what people would think was real and what wasn't, you know. But uh, speaking of something, exactly. uh, to, to, to wrap up this um, review section, so we call it, Godzilla 2, I finally saw it. Oh, yes. Did it live up to your expectations? Oh, man, I was crying. So <laughs> good. So good. Like, I, I, you know, such a brilliant movie that is horribly represented by the media um like look i don't know what movie these critics are watching honest to god i don't uh like it's a movie like i went in with absolute with my only my only uh, preconceived conception was it's going to be monsters and it's going to be fighting and it delivers <laughs> it's amazing 
Um, like, look, it's it's a kaiju movie. Um, like, it, if you want to see some spectacular monster fights, go see it. You know, if you want to sit down and watch Citizen Kane, watch Citizen Kane. You know, <laughs> I don't know what people are expecting. Like, <laughs> are, are you familiar with the Godzilla franchise, the, the original uh, Shao Godzilla franchise in Japan? I haven't seen the like the original Japanese ones, if that's what you mean. Yes, uh, I've seen the 2014 one, and I've seen, unfortunately, the 90s one. But I only uh, have a passing knowledge beyond that, unfortunately. Okay, well, let, let me sell this for you, Kane. Right. So, for okay. anyone who doesn't know, the Godzilla fr- franchise is huge in Japan. Obviously, they make one Godzilla movie a year or one every two years. Right. Um, I haven't seen all of them. I've seen about 26 of them. And I haven't seen all of them. There's loads of Godzilla movies. Um, my personal favorite one, and I know this one is kind of, you know, it's kind of silly, but it's the one where Godzilla fights Zilla, which is the name that the Japanese have given the 1998 movie version of Godzilla. And oh, he- now I'm just on the outside of this, but I hear the 90s movie changed a lot of the Godzilla lore. They kind of just yes. made him into a T-Rex, didn't they? Yeah, and who can give birth to velociraptors. So that's why they call them Zilla. <laughs> it's not really Godzilla. So what happens in, in the Godzilla movie from Japan, I think it's May 2000, they fight and he picks up Zilla, throws him through the Sydney Opera House and then fries him with his um, nuclear blast. It's spectacular. It's, they've had a bit of an axe to grind then with the <laughs> one, did they? A little bit, a little bit. But Toho, you know, it was the first time they had they had given such a prestigious thing to America, and America were like, oh, lol, we're going to do what we want. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it went pretty bad. But look, I don't mind the Godzilla 1998 movie. It is what it is. You know, it has all the cast of The Simpsons in it for some reason, or most of the cast of The Simpsons in it, which is very weird. It did, didn't it? That was very peculiar. Yeah. Yeah, it has Lisa and then pretty much everything that Hank Azaria does. So it's very strange altogether. But uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen it, watch it, but try not to take it as a Godzilla movie. Um, However, this one obviously picks up from 2014's Godzilla and then ties together Skull Island and it really does kind of harp on the Skull Island thing and it really starts world building. And um, Basically, the premise is there's these um, monarch facilities which monitor kaiju uh, appearances. So these are all the ancient beasts that wake up and they're pretty much the old gods and they set them up as the old gods of the ancient world. So, And there's some really cool bits in it where um, they actually go into like what's Atlantis and, you know, it's... It's supposed to be like this big uh, pre-Islamic society where everything was rooted from. So it kind of looks like a bit like Greece, but then also a bit of Mesopotamia, a bit of Atlantis. They get into the, the hollow earth kind of thing. So that's how they're able to travel and hide and look, it's mad, you know. But it all builds up to this terrorist plot where the person who's supposed to be monitoring, uh, one of the great doctors who's supposed to be monitoring Godzilla actually is a bioterrorist who releases... Uh, what they call creature one or creature zero and that's like an, a space alien who fights Godzilla to be crowned king of the monsters right so that sets up the plot and what follows on there is just some phenomenal fights um, it, but not even the fighting itself Kane. it's a beautiful movie to watch like a lot of the scenes it kind of pans back and it looks like a painting 
So there's four or five scenes. I'm actually going to buy the concept art of this movie, uh, the concept art book, because I was just sitting there in the cinema going, holy cow, this movie looks... Um, I'm look, glad um, you brought that up because I've seen some trailers and footage and like just some of the things like the three-headed uh, monster coming out of the volcano near a cross and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. It seems like a very kind of visually well-thought-out movie. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and like, okay, the plot is kind of silly as if you haven't got my, by my, um, my rundown of it. But it <laughs> by the description, yes, yeah, yes. But it doesn't pretend to be anything highbrow. And the thing about it is, mm. if you've watched the Godzilla movies, the human element is always like the worst part of it. You know, like it's just, it's a means yeah. to an end. It's like, oh, we have to have humans in it. Here's some humans. Now back to the giant monsters fighting. You know, <laughs> it's it's kind of like the same way with, with Power Rangers, you know, it's like the plot was never super deep. It was literally just to watch the fights yeah. and the cool music. But, you know, if you're a fan of Godzilla movies, you're going to love this. If you're not, you're still going to love it. But the critics, I think, <laughs> I don't know what movie they were watching. I don't know why they went so hard on it, but it's like, if you go see a Godzilla movie with Godzilla King of the Monsters, you know, it, it is what it is. So I would say, look, go support it. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I think you'll have a great time with it. I think anybody will have a great time with it. Go in, turn your brain off, get some popcorn and enjoy the, enjoy the spectacle. Excellent. And I heard that uh, you mentioned the eco-terrorist. Is Charles Dance from Game of Thrones the villain? Is that correct? He's set up as the villain. But it actually turns out that your one from The Conjuring is the villain. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. and she, she's in loads of the. She, I, I've, I'm a big fan of Source Code. Have you ever seen Source Code? Yeah, yeah, of course. Was that the Jake Gyllenhaal film? It was, it was, and she's in it. Uh, it turns and a big part of this movie, she's talking into a screen. So I'm like, okay, so she's typecast now as either a. A, a banisher of demons or somebody who talks into a monitor. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Whoa. Very, very niche casting. Yeah. Very niche. It works. She gets around. Any movie that I watch now, I'm just like, she just pops up. I'm like, oh, there you are. Hello. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that said, we're going to take our first break, Keen, and we get back. We have to talk about Star Trek and all the madness that's coming up. Guys, so we'll be back after this short break here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Okay, so you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering, well, what if I want to listen live and I'm not in Ireland? Well, don't worry. Go over to www.nerdtoknowmedia.com. On the webpage at the bottom, there is a link to the Phoenix FM stream. Check out the details of the show you want to listen to and you'll be able to catch us live. Don't forget to tweet in nerd2, the number 2, no, 92.5. Of course, you can contact us via the contact tab on the website over on nerdtoknowmedia.com. from the Blanchistan Centre. This is Phoenix FM. Okay, guys, we're back here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Nerd to know basis. Um, Keen, a lot to get through again. Uh, we kind of did our big reviews section. So where do you want to start? Well, I suppose we didn't get a chance to cover it last week with E3 and all that, but it seems like we're getting a new Star Trek show by the end of the year, or several. Or so several. There's a lot of buzz around that franchise at the moment. Oh my God. So we talked about last week, uh, or I found out that you're a fan of the um, Midnight's Edge show on YouTube. So 
uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm a Star Wars fan. Not a huge Star Trek um, aficionado. Like, I, I'm aware of it. I've watched it. But I wouldn't be super deep in the lore of it. But what's really piqued my interest now is the background of this. So, the Star Trek Discovery hasn't been great. From from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, the show kind of has underperformed and upset a lot of people. What's going on with it? I would agree it's underperformed. Personally, I've really enjoyed Discovery. I think it's a huge departure from the 80s and 90s Trek. Right. Uh, but it tows, it's, to be honest, tonally it's closer to the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Oh. I've really, really enjoyed it. And it's I built lo- up a nice following okay. across its two seasons. Like, See, I love the remake of Battlestar Galactica. But I was led to believe that. Oh, was- you've seen that, yeah? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I've... Uh- well, not of course, loads of people didn't see it. That's why it ended. But um, <laughs> no, I love the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Um, but yeah, no, from, from what I've heard about it, I heard people were really upset with it. Well, it's the, I won't go into spoilers, but the first season is basically set in the Klingon War. So the characters are doing things that aren't very typically Federation, Star Trek, that kind of stuff. And I understand that and the kind of design of the Klingons rub people up the wrong way. Right. Series two kind of course corrects into more familiar territory. They're kind of back to more episodic stuff. They have some familiar characters like Spock and that kind of stuff. But I've really enjoyed Discovery personally. I think it's a fantastic show. And like the production values and the cast, uh, I think it's amazing. I really hope it comes back as soon as possible. Is it, the, is it in the Kelvin timeline or... What? No, it's in the original timeline. In fact, series two oh, does a lot see. Okay. to set up that original series because uh, um, Kirk's mentor, uh, Captain Pike, is there as the captain. Spock is there from before. And it does a lot of the... It's a good prequel. It does a lot of the groundwork to set up familiar elements from right, the I very see. original show with William Shatner and then at Nimoy and all that. Oh, neat. Okay, cool. See, this is what I mean. Like, I have a par- I have a passing passing exposure to it, but uh, you know, if you start delving deeper, I wouldn't really wouldn't really follow. And that kind of ties into what I'm going to bring up next. So, Picard is a thing, and this is going to be on Amazon mm. Prime, right? So, from my understanding, does this pick up after the next generation or is this set in a new timeline? So do you know what's going on there? This, it certainly seems to be picking up uh, from a next generation. They have only released a one minute trailer, but the one minute trailer is him on his vineyard, which (laughs) relates to the very last episode of next generation where we saw Picard 30 years in the future from where they were now in 1994 or whatever. And this show is coming out at the exact time in his life that that flash forward would have been happening. So it seems to be picking up right from where the next generation ended, with the exception of the movies, which carried that on a bit further. Wow. Okay. So, you know, a, a lot of setup there. It's kind of like when Twin Peaks came back and it just happened at the exact same time. When That's set up a really good comparison. Yeah, it's kind of chronologically just fits in where the last one left off, in wow. theory at least. Well, that's, you know, that's, you can't be upset with that, guys. Come on. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm not even a fan, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> foreshadowing by accident. But what's interesting here as well, man, right? Mm. So not only do we have those two shows coming up, but there's a Tarantino movie, apparently, 
coming out. Basically. Yeah, I'm slightly dubious of that because it feels like they've been kicking around Star Trek for this is uh, the one with uh, Zachary Quinto, the kind of rebooted timeline and all that. They've been kicking around that for a while. For a while, it looked like uh, Chris Hemsworth was going to come back as yeah. Kirk's dad. There's going to be time travel. That seems to have been gone. So I'm not. I'm going to be relatively dubious of it until I see a trailer or something more promising. Like, yeah, I just, I just don't really see that happening. I think that was just something for what's it for headlines? And it, look, it was a very good headline to have. Mm. It's very because apparently Tarantino has two movies left: one based in 1960s Hollywood, and another one. Mm. So, you know, it, it's really up in the air. I don't think that's going to happen but if it does I'll probably watch it because that's kind of weird and I always kind of like see directors kind of <laughs> take up new things just to kind of run with it um, because look here case in point the, the writer director of Snowball the most he's most famous for doing the bad scary movies doing superhero movie and all this kind of stuff so you know when guys take a risk it works out sometimes and then sometimes it doesn't so it is what it is but um, well you never know sometimes it's just the hands they're dealt sometimes as a director attached but there's a lot of producer oversight unfortunately yeah. unless you make the effort to dig deep you don't really know. I mean, like, for example, um, do you see Shazam? Yes. Uh, that came out. Like, he, the director of that, has a background in horror, but, like, one of his horrors, uh, Annabelle Creation, was very studio-mandated, so it doesn't feel like his other stuff. Unfortunately, unless you're a big name, sometimes your creative track record doesn't, like, isn't exactly something you've had creative control over. So it's good to sort of see people like i mean for example you talked about uh benioff and weiss from game of thrones i believe one of them wrote x-men origins wolverine Oof. which you know obviously oh. have had a lot of control over but game of thrones yeah. maybe less so so yeah. we have to take these things with a pinch of salt each time we come across something but what's interesting about um what's interesting about shazam was um you know you could still see the heart like there's a bit in shazam where the what are they called the sins. Oh, the demons. The, the seven de- deadly sins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of they go into the boardroom, and that's that's proper horror. <laughs> you know, it's, it really is kind of like a scary part in the movie. So you can still kind of see it there. But with Benny Off and Wise, it's like as soon as they ran out of source material, they're like, all right, lads, let's let's run to more source material. So um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I haven't obviously had a chance to play any games because I'm you know away but i've heard some pretty cool stuff about um vampire the masquerade have you ever played vampire the masquerade no i believe you mentioned it last week this is the game you're talking about with like the graphics were low but it was an amazing game like yeah i'm gonna keep mentioning it because i'm that's what i'm playing at the moment (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know one one of the cool things we got is we got a a release date for vampire the masquerade march 2020 oh yeah is when that's coming out. So, you know, uh, that wasn't confirmed in, e- in E3, um, but it did break after it. I think, um, so, what's a Cyberpunk 2020, uh, the Cyberpunk game, that kind of took a lot of its uh, steam away, but we got a bigger breakdown of what's, of what's coming. So more classes, um, more uh, graphics and more things to do. And also now there's a lot of different support been added and an online section as well, which is going to be kind of weird because, you know, I'm so used to playing that game by myself that to have it in a real world environment is going to be a bit weird too. So I don't know, man, I would say, you know, 
Vampire the Masquerade is fine the way it is, but I'm excited to see what this new one uh, is going to throw at us. So we'll see, we have to see. Well, it seems like most games that come out these days do have some sort of online component. Is that just a business thing, or is it because the internet's more easy to access? Like, what do you think is the thinking behind putting this component in all the games? Well, you know, I suppose it is an easy way to kind of get some replayability. Like, for example, with Grand Theft Auto 4, I loved it for the mods. But a lot of people loved it because it was online. And the same with Grand Theft Auto V. I think that game made nearly doubled its money because of its online missions. Um, yeah, and that is pretty much the long and short of it. You know, it's if they do it right, they can have a really, really good experience. If they do it wrong, well, they made some money. The, the balance is kind of to not put resources t- solely to it. For example... Um, you know, the first Star Wars Battlefront game that came out. Um, you read my mind. You said you were a Star Wars head. I was wondering yeah. if you had any thoughts on those later two Battlefront games. But the first one, I loved the graphics of it, but it was not great. Um, I still play the second one uh, from, you know, from 2005. I love that game. So I played that pretty much consistently. Um, but The one I, that came out around the time of Revenge of the Sith, yeah? Yes, 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 yes. And actually, um, I have a modded version of it where they've, they've built in stuff from Kultor and that so you can play as the, the Knights of the Republic characters. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it's a very fun game. But what I will say is the second one that came out, so the one that came out around the same time as The Last Jedi, is actually very good. Mm. They now it's very good. Now, like we're talking 2019, it's very good because they've actually patched in a lot of things. So you can now play as um, Obi Wan. You can play as Anakin. You can do the missions on Geonosis. So the game that we have now is actually like a, a high res skinned version of the Battlefront from 2005. Okay. So the online component can work. And look, to be honest with you, the, the story mode was, was garbage in the new game. <laughs> uh, I did not like it all. That was very, very lame. But, uh, you know, the online component is a fun experience, you know, when it's done well. And I think having, having it all, like, story, I, I prefer games with story modes, right, always. But... In this, yeah, 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 it's just you know that's the way I see the games are, you know. But in this experience, you know, you come home from work or you know late or whatever, and you just want to play a Star Wars campaign. For my money, I don't think there's a better experience you can have, you know, because it feels like you're actually in Star Wars. Yeah, it's weird. It's well, like. I'm glad you said that because I did a bit of backseat gaming watching the newer Battlefront Two. Yeah. Last week with my brother. And it seems like a very like very engaging game. The multiplayer seems good. I, I saw Lando Calrissian and Princess Leia in there. But at the same time, when it came out, I heard there was quite a lot of outrage. What was the what was the story with that then? Yeah, it was greed, man. It was just greed. Because originally you'd have to the, the loot box system was in play. And it's still kind of there now with the cards, with the star cards, but it's it's been way, it's been nerfed and now it doesn't really matter. But basically when it came out, yeah. you'd have to play the equivalent of like 150 hours to unlock Luke Skywalker. Oh my goodness. And that's just grinding or else pay 
money not just to here okay i don't have a problem with dlc to buy characters right personally i'm like okay whatever if i get the buy the character but this was this took the piss you'd have to pay money to gamble with the possibility of getting these characters that was the problem oh i see so it was like buying see i wouldn't mind that in like a free facebook game or something like i used to get that a lot with the avengers game on facebook but when you've paid 60 quid for it that seems a bit cheeky yeah, exactly. You know, I, like I don't mind DLC where you pay thirty-five euro or twenty-five euro or whatever to buy the season pass, and then you get the character. Like, okay, whatever. That's that's fine. But to do that, it's like, well, I can't even buy the characters I want because <laughs> you know, I think that I think that's a bit much, and that's kind of what what um, broke the dam. Well, the first one, yeah. it was there was no, there wasn't enough content, so it was just EA being greedy or EA just being EA again, and that was kind of the problem. So, mm. you know, I, but now they fixed it, and it's a, a a very decent experience. Well, I mean, it's I'm glad you brought up EA. Now, I'm not really privy to the backgrounds of all these companies and all that kind of stuff. But I did see a video that had like uh, five years under EA, five years under the original company, I think, LucasArts, that did them. And in this five years' time, there was like 16 Star Wars games. There was Lego games. There was Bounty Hunter games. There was Empire War, which I still play to this day. Same. Uh, Then under EA, they've done two. And two that were at best controversial, you know? Yeah. Well, that's it. And that's why there was talk that they were going to like leave them you know but what i think now well obviously we're getting a new star wars game with jedi fallen order i think they're finally being like right here's what makes money and it's also because the whole star wars franchise since disney got it has been very mismanaged anyway um a lot of growing pains but i think the next five years glad you brought that up because i would have thought something as powerful as disney would like be like where are our games we signed a deal with you we want something every six months (laughs) but i thought that too but i don't think disney understands what it's going to do with star wars yet and now they're Mm -hmm. starting to and i think once once old republic comes out or nice republic comes out the movie that's when I think they'll start, or even Mandalorian comes out, um, they'll be like, oh, this makes money now. Go make the games. Or go make this and that. Right now, Force Awakens was a big hit, but it, was, it didn't really offer anything. It was like a, a fast food. Yeah. You know, you were satisfied at the moment, but then you felt sick on the way home. Um, the Last Jedi, while I liked it personally, um, it upset a lot of people and just, you know oh i loved it yeah i thought it was great um but a lot of people didn't and it went over like a fart in church so you know no one wanted to oh yeah my, my girlfriend hates the new Disney movies. she only like she likes rogue one and solo but she doesn't like see the I, new ones that are kind of overwriting that old yeah. canon you know oh yeah oh well i'm the same i agree with your girlfriend she's she's spot on she's a smart lady um you know she really mm-hmm. is there that's the 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 canon they replaced is it's a crime against humanity um but solo, <laughs> solo I liked and Rogue One I liked as well. But then again, what are you going to kind of do there? You know, they could have made games, but by bringing out that new canon, they over they overwrote a lot of the canon that existed in the games. Yeah, so, you know, it's as I said. Look, give another five years, then we'll start seeing real real money making stuff but right now it's kind of just a wait and see approach and you know 
Disney Star Wars is depressing because they have the goose to get laid the golden egg and they just don't know how to use it. They don't know how to extract the egg. But man, you know, we have come. To- yeah, I give it like Star Wars Rebels is very good, but it seems yeah. like a, a Star Wars franchise is just screaming out to have things made in it games, yeah. comics, books, all that kind of stuff. But there doesn't seem to be like a Kevin Feige figure with a plan. It does seem like every time they're kind of rolling the dice and seeing. Well, see, there is. You know, or like throwing something at the wall, like, you know? There is. Dave Filoni's there, the guy who did Star Wars, um, Clone Wars. And uh, he did yeah. Rebels as well. But he is he's not given the reins yet. He's still answering to the higher ups. So, yeah. I think one. If the new Star Wars movie, and guys, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out at the end of this year, if you didn't know, because you wouldn't know because the marketing's been so so muted about it. If that flops, I think then they'd be like, right, let's do something with this. But for the moment, they're still kind of like, well, it hasn't fully flopped yet. Yeah, it hasn't fully flopped. I like that. Yeah, so it, it's, it's nearly there. You it's know only what? mostly dead. It's only mostly dead. <laughs> it's like, if, if, this new, if this new movie epically fails, they're like, well, yeah. we better restart this. To be fair, look, I'm just going here. I think, here's how, here's how the new Star Wars movie should open, right? Hard cut to Luke uh, walking out of the shower, right? And, <laughs> okay. and, and Mara Jade walks in and she's like, what are you doing here? And then she's like, oh, Mara Jade gets out of bed and she walks into the shower, uh, into the bathroom. And she's like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? And she goes, I had this horrible dream. And then she just kind of ex- explains the past two movies. And then it just walks out and, you know, it's just... But I was living on an island with porgs and... Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. It, it's the, the thing from Dallas, you know. I think that's what they should do and just acknowledge that it's ridiculous and just continue on the expanded universe. And, like, Han is there and, like, Lobaka is there and all that kind of stuff. And then just forget about it and just never, you know, just make movies based on the books. And then there you go. Because <laughs> you have to do something because, a- my God... Yeah, I'm very surprised. I was expecting because Snoke was so secretive that they were going to do some sort of like a bit. You mentioned the Kelvin timeline where there's like technically two Star Trek movie universes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I assumed we'd get some sort of explanation where that future was going to happen and it turned out Snoke prevented it or just something that drew all these disparate elements together. But no, they kind of they kind of just sort of. I'm not sure what they expected people to react to because yeah. they went out of their way to kind of bring up familiar elements and destroy familiar elements. I like The Last Jedi personally, but I don't know how they, for a studio that's known to play it very safe, I don't know what they were expecting people to react to in regards to the creative decisions they've made and all that kind of stuff. It seems yeah. like they may have expected anything with Star Wars to do well. Whereas yeah. with the Marvel things, every franchise, your Guardians, your Ant-Man, your Doctor Strange, really had to make its own case. And they could shut down any one of those that didn't cut the mustard. You know, like we only got one Incredible Hulk movie, for example. Yeah, but that's more for licensing than anything else. Like, Marvel still don't own the Hulk. You know, but it's like, I think Disney don't understand. They fundamentally don't understand what they have. It's the same thing that that Sony fell into with Spider Man. Same thing that we've talked about last Hello. week. That, that, that Fox ended up with, but they keep making the same pro- mistakes with the X Men, and that they don't understand yeah, what yeah, the yeah. Fantastic Four. It's like 
they fundamentally don't get what they have. And a safer bet would have been, you know, to just try something new. And that's what they're kind of doing now with the Mandalorian. You know, there's probably going to be no Jedi in it and it's going to be off and being its own thing. And I think that's that's kind of a, a, a good step in the right direction. And then, you know, as I said, five years, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work in five years, that's it. But it will. I think now they've invested enough money and they've made enough mistakes where they're like, right, we really need to start, you know, turning this chicken, you know what, and to go into a chicken salad or else, you know, that's $4 billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny we were talking about Godzilla earlier because that was a case of this franchise being handed to someone and they didn't really not make the effort perhaps to understand what it was and why people like it. And they just yeah. made it and kind of hoped the name would carry it. There seems yeah. to be with Sony certainly and the way they manage Spider-Man and maybe the mummy to some degree with uh, that universe. Like it does seem that like now studios are copping onto the fact that if you don't put in the work and do due diligence to the property you are adapting, people will reject it or at the very least not see the appeal of it. And exactly. I think maybe that extends to some of the DC properties as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's you know the, the same mistake over and over again. If, if you're not going to try and meet the audience halfway or really, really kind of express your your love of what you're doing then people are going to see it as hollow and just not go and that's that's death to a franchise it really is exactly like i mean the sam raimi spider-man's is quite like shazam in that way where it's um you could tell the people making it clearly loved this lore and loved all these characters and loved all that kind of stuff and even if you as a viewer didn't get it you got the sense that they did and they were enjoying what they're doing. And that does catch. Exactly. I genuinely believe it does. Exactly. And look, you know, the Sam Raimi movies, we might even do a little retrospective at some point, but the Sam Raimi movies are goofy and fun. But that's it. You know, mm. that's something that the new Star Wars movies don't have. They just, mm. they're not fun. You know, um, they're just... I think another issue could be that Star Wars is such a sacred thing in cinema now that there's this need to pay it reverence and take it very seriously. If you go back and watch the Star Wars movies, they were kind of making it on the fly and just having fun doing it. I think, weirdly enough, Solo's the only Disney movie, to my money, that captures that sense of fun silliness and just kind of going with it and throwing in as much fun as you can while you're doing it. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, even with the, the Marvel movies, they don't take themselves that seriously. But they did. But they know when. No, it needs, they don't at all. You know, but they they know when it needs to be done. But compared to compared to watching, you know, name you know name it, um, any any recent mm. Star Wars movie, it's just it's a tough mm. watch. You know, from from that perspective, and you know, I you know, I like the Last Jedi because I took risks, but you know, compared to the old Star Wars movies, it's it's not up there. You know. But uh, Keen, man, we have run out of time. It's the fastest hour. Have we already? Fastest hour, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to thank you again, man. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Is thank you any- very much. It's been great fun as well. Uh, I, I, guys, you know, and people listen to this because oh, they're just saying that. It's like no, seriously, it just feels like we just started this. Mm. Um, but yeah, is there anything you like to plug, man, before we let you go? 
well, I suppose for anyone who's enjoying the, you mentioned the Spring of the Teenage Witch show, there is a lovely book out at the moment called Perfectly Preventable Deaths. It's by an Irish right. author, Deirdre Sullivan. It's got a lot of really similar elements. If you enjoy the scary, but also kind of light witchcraft things, I would say that'd be a lovely one to check out. Oh, super fun. Super fun. Um, mm-hmm. Guys, I will plug our Twitter, uh, our Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Go to Nerd Two, the number two, uh, uh, no on Twitter. The the Facebook page is nerdtoknowmedia.com, and of course, if you want to go over to nerdtoknowmedia.com, you'll be able to find links to um, all the shows and everything else we're doing there. It's going to go under maintenance soon when I get home because we need to upgrade it. But um, yeah, it's still up there. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Twitch, all that kind of good stuff. So just search nerdthenomedia.com and you will be able to find all the information to check out the show each and every week. So until next week, guys, um, we'll see you then. Thank you very much.